my goodness, it's so exciting. Um, first of all, I would like to say, I, this is going to sound wrong, but I'm really excited we're in the New Testament. Hey, man, are we? Guys, we spent a lot of time in that left side. So we're going to spend some time in the right side of our Bibles, and we're going to get to do that in First and Second and Third John. Um, so like I said, some housekeeping stuff. Before we get into the background of First and Second and Third John, I want to I want to make sure everybody has the stuff they need. Did everybody get one of these? If you did not, you know, raise your hand and Dawn, okay, up here. We got a couple up here. Dawn is running. I mean, she is sprinting, guys. If you could see it, so cool. She's running. This is going to be our participant guide. Um, Inside the front cover, there should be a paper that says welcome. Does everybody have that? Pull that little paper right on out real quick. First of all, did I even say who I am? Some of you are like, what, who is this person? My name is Chris Murphy, and for some reason, God has given me this great gift of being able to be up here and hang with you guys and have a microphone on. So watch out. I mean, it can get a little sketchy sometimes when I'm being miked. But um, I'm just glad to be here. It's exciting to get to be here with all these girls. Let me ask another question that's awkward and weird. How many people are here that don't go to this church? Oh my gosh, I love it. That's so cool. Do you guys see that? We are community here. So we're glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Um, All right, so we're going to look at this welcome page. Super quick. This welcome page. Um, Before we get started, I want you to know this. If you've gotten emails and you've seen the Facebook posts and all those kinds of things. Oh, I forgot. I'm going to cover something else first. Um, If you've seen all that stuff, you'll know this. There is an insane amount of prayer that goes into every detail of this study. Every one of your names. I may not know your name right with your face, but we know your names because we have prayed over them. And it will make me cry. We have prayed over every decision, every name, every small group. And it's exciting for us that are kind of behind the curtain to get to watch God unfold it. It's just the coolest thing. And so I just want you to know, walk into this with that assurance. There may be moments where you're like, what am I doing here? And why am I with these people? But just know that God knows. And he brought you here. And he doesn't mess up. Um, Before we start on that welcome sheet, I did forget one little thing I wanted to say. Um, There are a couple of uh, little online things I want you to make note of. On your book, maybe on the inside cover, you may want to write this down. These are your online goodies. Like, you like that title? That's good. We're going to have a podcast of this lecture. What that's for is there are inevitably going to be times when you can't be here. And we want to make sure that this whole process has been so prayed over. The homework, the small group, and the lecture to all tie together to give you the most of what you can possibly get from God's word. And so we don't want you to miss that. That... um, Podbean website there is where we're going to post the audio each week. So if you happen to miss, if you know a friend that's not here today, you can send her that link, and then she'll be able to listen to this lecture on her own at home, okay? So there's that. There's also, um, if you're on Facebook, how many people are on Facebook? Okay, how many people didn't raise your hand, but you're really on Facebook, and you just don't tell anybody? Okay, (laughs) so you're trolls. That's what we call you. No, hey, if you're not, that's cool. There's nothing like essential or earth-shattering that happens in the Facebook group. But if you are on Facebook ever, join our little group because there are some awesome gems, right, that happen on that Facebook page. That's an opportunity for you guys to have community, um, to be able to talk about things, to be able to complain about me. No, you don't. I won't let you do that. 
Um, but it's a great place for us to share information and um, talk about what we're studying. It's also a cool place for us to have community with the evening class. Because do you realize there's a whole nother group coming tonight that are going to be doing the same thing. Um, so it's really fun for us to be able to do that together. So those are the two things I wanted to point out before we get into the welcome page. So with that said, pick up this paper, this welcome paper. If you've been in Bible studies here before, do not go to sleep and check out and check your phone right now. Okay, because I'm going to make it interesting. Er, interesting or it's going to get interesting or I am going to keep it as brief as I can, um, but please know this. We've got policies here, and policies are just a fancy politically correct word for um, rules and stuff, you know? Guidelines, we like to make it sound all, oh, we have guidelines in women's ministry. No, guys, these are rules, pretty much. Pretty much they're rules. We want you to know this, though. I want you to hear me, and I'm not kidding. I want you to hear me when I say this. Sometimes some of this stuff doesn't make sense, and we may not really agree with maybe some of the decisions that's made by leadership, but I want to assure you, every decision that's made in these guidelines and these policies is made to create an environment that is safe for every one of you to come and study God's Word. A safe environment. I know that sounds weird, right? You're like, okay, yeah, we're safe. We're in Flower Mound. We're right by Tom Thumb. We're fine. Guys, safe environment here means creating a place where you don't have to worry about walking in the room and sharing something or hear something said that's judgmental or that's going to bring you down or that's going to be divisive in a way that's not unifying in the Word of God. Okay? Um, I get, this is where I will get up on my soapbox. There are things that we are going to ask of you that may be different than how you act when you go have lunch with your girlfriends. There are questions and the conversations that we're going to ask you to just table that and not talk about that here because we are here to do what? We are here to study God's word. That's our objective. And um, if you ask any of the small group leaders and any of our welcome team, they know this, that our objective in this Bible study, we, we spell it out this way, we say this. What we want for all of us to walk out on the end of this thing in November is we want you to understand the character of God more deeply by applying stages of understanding in Bible study. But you know what else we want you to know? We want you to know this. Hear me. Those of you that are wondering why the heck you're here. We want you to understand that this Bible is meant to seep into every crevice and corner of your whole life. Diaper changing, carpool driving, Starbucks line, Target line. This is supposed to be your life. And so we want you to walk out of here. I mean, you may walk out of here with the first, second, third John memorized. Congratulations, that'd be fantastic. But that's not what our objective is. We want you to know God in a deeper way. And we want you to understand that his word is for you. So with that said, these guidelines are intended to help us achieve that objective, okay? So just look at it like that. So here I go, again, on my soapbox. Take a look at the, um, the first section there on welcome, and it says group harmony. You see that? Okay, you can all read. Can everybody read? Raise your hand if you can read. Okay, that's great. You guys can read this. You're also going to go over it in a little more detail in your small group. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I do want you to look at that very last bullet that says bring concerns and questions. Your small group leaders are your lifeline in this thing. 
Um, a lot of you guys are my buddies, and I see my buddies in here, and I appreciate you guys as my friends. But I will tell you this. If you text me and ask me questions about the goings-on at Bible study, I will not understand and not have an answer for you. I don't, my job is this. So your lifeline is your small group leader. Questions, concerns, anything, go to her. Tell her those things. If you guys can't resolve issues there, the next stage will be the RHPs. Who's, where's my RHPs? Are they hiding for real? Stand up. Are they not in here? Okay, so whatever. So RHP, now we can talk about them. RHP stands for right-hand person. And what we determined um, a couple semesters ago is Chris, bless her heart, needs a right-hand person. And then God said, oh, no, no, babe, you need three of them because you're a mess. (laughs) So we have three RHPs. We have two that are in here. And that's Becky Hayes and that's Mary Larson. And really, they probably are like in the fetal position out there, probably. Um, And then in the evening, it's Shauna Callahan. And so I want you to know that there is a plan. If you have something that's going on and you're a small group leader and you, you can't resolve that situation, you find Becky and you find Mary and we'll deal with it. And if it has to then come to me or come to Dawn, who's our women's ministry director, we will, we will do that the right way, okay? Um, the other thing I want to tell you, be nice to your small group leaders, people. You know what I mean by that? Uh, yeah, amen. I heard an amen over here. That wasn't loud enough. We need more amens. Girls, um, I will cry again. These small group leaders have made the commitment to pray over you. They pray over your name. Even if you don't give them concerns, they're still going to be praying for you. Can't stop them. They're going to spend time loving you and shepherding you. And leading the discussion group is a tiny part of what they're doing. And so I'm going to ask you to please be respectful of these guidelines and don't put them in a weird position. Okay? I have given them full authority to pick up chairs and throw them at you if you guys are bad. So you might want to consider that. Uh, let's move on down to this next category. It says safe environment. And this is the area where you, you might get a chair thrown at you. So, you know, just take that for what it is. I'm going to read it verbatim because I don't think there's a better way to say this. We have many ladies with different backgrounds, experiences, education, theology stances, denominations, etc. in this room right now. Is that the coolest thing? That is the church, guys. That's the big C church. We don't all think the same way. Um, Our number one goal is to provide a safe environment to study God's word. And when we are at Rock Point Church in the women's ministry, we are very serious about this. Um, To achieve this goal, we want you to focus on what unites us, not what divides us. We're going to ask you to not talk about denominations. We're going to ask you that you don't talk about politics. Hold up. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you straight up. I don't care who you're voting for. I don't care what you think. I love you. We don't need to talk about that here. Not here. Okay? Divorce, marriage, all those things. Listen, I say this. I know I'm getting a little harsh, but I do say this with tenderness. I want you to know this. There are girls sitting next to you going through hard, hard things. Hard things. You have no idea what people carry into this room. Please be respectful of that. And when I say we're not going to talk about marriage and husbands and divorce, and here's why, because this Bible study is about you and God. I know a lot of you have children. A lot of you might have a husband. You might have this family. And that's going to creep into some of the ways that you answer questions. I get that. That's okay. But just remember, always, always remember this. This is about what God's showing you. 
He's going to do cool stuff in your family. I will make that promise. But this is about you and the Lord, okay? Um, We're also not going to talk about divisive topics. There's a lot of social topics out there right now. There's a lot of headlines that we could talk about and argue about and have theological debates about. And you know what? At the end of the day, you know what we're all going to say? God is good. He is on the throne. That's what we're going to say. So I'm going to ask you respectfully, I'm going to tell you respectfully that we're not going to go to these places in your small group. Okay, did I sufficiently beat that horse? Sorry, pace girls. I always use really weird little um, word pictures, and I'm sure the pace girls are always like, what is she saying? All right, let's turn over on the back. There's some schedule stuff. Uh, Basically, that daily class schedule, that's kind of how it's going to look every week. We are going to begin and end on time. That is our commitment to you. Okay? Even if I have to stop mid-sentence, I've got people all in this room who are going to come, and they will cut me off. I will stop talking at 12. Um, Your small group leaders will be praying in that classroom at 10 a.m. Even if you're standing in the hallway chatting, even if they're in there by themselves, they're committed to honor your time. So please honor theirs if you can. With that said, if you can't be there on time, it's okay. You hear me? It's okay. You young mommies, I, oh gosh, guys, I've been there. You are wrestling human beings trying to get out the door. I get it. We all get it. We, bless your heart. Where's Sarah and her shirt? Bless your heart. Um, but come. We don't care if you, you know, roll in, you know, 10 minutes before we're done. We want you here. So just come. Um, and, and your small group leader will talk a little bit more about that. The schedule, I want you to notice a couple things. There's three dates on there, and we'll go into more of that later. But we always have like a little small group brunch. That's a super fun way of just sneaky way of bringing food and caffeine into our classrooms, right? It's always better with food and caffeine. And then at the end of our time, we're going to have a big, large luncheon, and that's always really cool. There ain't nothing like a potluck. So we're going to do that. Just know that. Um, I did want to remind everybody I know Dawn sent out an email about child care policy. We, we want to apologize, number one, for being vague on some of that, so we want to make sure it's clear. Know this. Um, we have the most, amen, unbelievable child care workers back there doing, loving your babies. They are amazing. Um, if you have times where your kiddo has a weird school day where they're off and you're not normally bring them here, just email Margo. She's going to love that, right? Email Margo. Her email address is margo, M-A-R-G-O, at rpcstaff.org. And tell her, hey, I've got an extra kid this week. Can I bring him to childcare? Nine times out of ten, it's fine. Sick kiddos are a different story. If you've got a sick baby, stay home and, you know, watch Power Rangers and cuddle and listen to the online audio, and we'll see you next week, okay? Um, if you have other questions about that, you can ask your small group leaders or find those RHPs. They'll tell you about that. So let's do this. Let's all grab our little book. Pick that up. First thing you do, open the cover, get your pen, and write your name in that. You're going to be doing some serious work in there, friends. We don't want to lose that. Write your name in the cover. All right. So once you have your name written in the cover, here's what we're going to do. Go ahead and flip over to the first page called the foreword. It's right behind the title page. I trust you. Again, you guys raised your hands, I think. I think you can read and stuff. So I'm not going to read all this to you. Um, 
But I am gonna I am gonna go over a couple, just highlight a couple of things, especially if you've never been in a Bible study here before. It may be a little different than what you're accustomed to. I know it was different for me um, at first to try to get used to this way of thinking. So I'm gonna share some things with you about our purpose and our process and what you can expect. Okay. Um, so let me let me start out. Well, let me do this. Let me start out by giving you guys a little. I'm gonna give you a little gift today. So can y'all see this in the front? What is that? It's a note. It's a high school note. This was before texting, you young people. You have no idea how what much work went into communication. <laughs> so, January 27th, 1987. Don't look at me and say, I wasn't born, because I know a lot of you weren't. <laughs> hey, I was barely, I was like three. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to tell you much about this letter, but I want to read a little portion of it to you and just kind of whet your appetite for what we're about to do. Are you just so wondering what on earth is happening? Oh, oh, okay. Um, Okay, ready? Listen up. It's very important. So, how are you doing today? Isn't this letter neato? Don't you love my choice of colors? I am so bored. We're watching some stupid movie about dot, 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 things. Huh, okay, that's good. As you can, this was in parentheses. As you can probably figure out, I'm not even paying attention. (laughs) I probably really did talk like that too. Okay. It's probably something very essential to my world history grade, but I am so great and devoted to you as a friend that I will put my education on the line for you. It's a giver. I'm a giver. But anyway, you're so worth it. Hey, you know what? I have this strong feeling that, okay, that's all. That's all I'm going to read. That's all I'm going to read. You know nothing about that situation, right? You, you probably figured out by now because I was so comfortable reading it that I was the author. Is that pretty clear? Um, I will tell you this. It was my Haskell boyfriend was the recipient who is my husband now. Um, But I want you to understand something. I immediately thought of this. When I thought about opening God's word and starting to study, I I started thinking about this. And Jen even writes about it here, which I think is such a great example. I thought about the fact that um, we fail often as believers when it comes to God's word. And you know why? Because we do what I just did. We open up a letter or in this case, they are actually letters, but a book of the Bible or something. And we just cherry pick out one little part. And we just move on with our day and just go on with, okay, that was awesome. I know everything now. You have no idea what I was about to say. You have no idea where I was coming from, where it started, what my motive was. Um, you figured out I was in world history because I gave you that little piece of information. But do you see what I'm saying? Um, I believe, and I think that Jen agrees with this as well, I believe that we as believers have a responsibility to develop a foundational understanding of God's Word. Um, We can do all those super cool Bible studies that are topical, which, oh my gosh, guys, love them. And love those wonderful teachers that tell us, okay, we're going to do a Bible study about worry, and then I'm going to give you a whole bunch of verses about worry. That is fabulous, but let me just tell you this. Those girls that are teaching those Bible studies have a foundational understanding of God's Word. And so in this study, that's our goal. We want you to walk out of here, okay, I want to understand this on my own. I don't want you to tell me how to understand it. So when you think sometimes about maybe um, not staying the course, just think about that letter 
and think about how hard it is to be like, well, what was she? What was, I don't even know the rest of the story. There's a story that he's telling us. It's his story. We get to be a little part of it. Um, so think about that as we go through. So our purpose, I mentioned it. Our purpose is to gain a foundational knowledge, a foundational understanding of God's word. I ask this every time. I'm going to ask it again for those of you who've been here before. Who is this book about? This book is about God. I love you. Bless your hearts. You are sweet, precious babies, and you are in it. But this is not about you. This is about God. And by understanding who he is and discovering what God has to say about who he is, we get to learn about us. Okay? So when you approach this, don't sit down and go, what am I going to learn about Chris today? Because this girl probably would have done that. (laughs) Let me just be clear. Um, I didn't do very well in world history either, by the way. We're going to learn about our God. So let's go ahead and turn the page. So read over this when you get some time, especially if you haven't done a study with us before. It's valuable. You're going to, it'll be worth it. The way we're going to do this. Um, I didn't write this study so I can say this. You guys, you're going to be reading 1st, 2nd, 3rd John a lot of times. And you can't get mad at me anymore. I wrote the last one. And I, every time I use the word skim, everybody pretty much shot arrow daggers through my face. So, hey, it ain't my fault this time. So, Jen, our wonderful author, my friend, has written this amazing study, but she's going to use repetitive reading as a major part of how we learn this. There is such value in that. Um, For those of you that still have some brain matter left and can memorize Scripture, God bless you. But this is an answer for those of us who don't. Reading Scripture over and over, it just oozes into you whether you like it or not. And that's what's going to happen by the end of this. You're going to remember where we learn about how God is love. You're going to remember about how we understand that truth is foundational to understanding our faith. You're going to know these things because you're going to read it over and over. Um, so we're going to do a lot of repetitive reading. She also is a big fan of, um, of uh, coloring things with different colors. So those of you that are into adult coloring, congratulations. This is your play. Yeah, I saw that back there. She went like, huh. Okay, whatever. You're going to need some pencils and pens that have different colors. It's really, really cool because actually at the back of your book, you can flip back if you want or you can trust me. On page 83, this is a cool thing. She's included the entire text. All the text that we're going to study, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is back there. There's going to come times in your homework she's going to throw you back there and say, okay, now with a red pen, do this. And so by the end of it, that thing is going to be a rainbow. It's going to be cool. Okay, but I'm going to tell you that. So we're going to do a lot of repetitive. We're going to also read it in context. That starts today. We're going to understand the background. Before you even open the study and start doing the questions, you're going to know why it was written, who wrote it, when, what was happening at the time. I mean, guys, it's like this letter. You know, you don't know anything. You're going to know so much background that when you walk into it, you're going to go, oh, so that's why he said what he said. Okay, this is what was going on. So know that. You're going to know the background. These stages of understanding... If you look down in the middle of the page, stage one, this is how we're going to approach God's word. Stage one is we're going to ask, what does it say? What does it even say? And so to do that, we're going to read it. I know, novel idea, right? We're going to actually read that scripture. We're going to see exactly what it says, literally. Then we're going to move into interpretation. In other words, what does it mean? That's where we're going to start interpreting it and going, okay, now he said this and we know that this is happening. And so what does that mean? But you know what the very last thing we're going to do is? The very last thing is you're going to ask, how should it change me? 
And the truth of the matter is we are all women, right? Everybody? Okay, good. Check. And you know what we like? I'm going to speak for all of you here. We like shortcuts, right? And we like, tell me how it's going to help me because I got to get on with my day. Tell me how this is going to affect me and how it's going to change me and let's move on. And that's application. You realize that? And so what we're going to be challenged to do in this study is it's going to slow us down. And for those of us that are a little hyperactive, um, it, it forces you to slow down, read what it actually says, what it actually means, and then say, God, how can you change me? How can I apply this to my life? Okay. So that's how we're going to go about studying. And those, the homework is going to walk you through that. And that's what's really cool about this kind of format is you're going to go home and do homework. In fact, I hate saying homework because it sounds so negative. You're going to go home and do life enriching work. I don't even know what to say. You're going to go home and do homework. Um, and then you're going to come in and in your small group, there are going to be certain questions that you did in your homework that we're going to discuss as a group. And all of those things are going to be moving you through the understanding of what does it say, what does it, what did I say? What does it say, what does it mean, and then how does it apply to me, okay? All right, so on the next page, some guidelines. I'm going to give you some good news and some bad news. Some good news is, um, well, let's start with the bad news. Who has a study Bible? Don't lie, you're all lying. Okay, good. (laughs) I have a bunch of them. I'm a big nerd. Like, I have this basket of Bibles. My kid asked me, they're like, excuse me, what is up with that? I'm like, well, this one's a life application, and this one's an apologetics, and this one's a new living blah, blah, I don't know. Um, Okay, so I'm going to lovingly say, hey, don't use those, okay? I mean, you can if you really, really have to, and you really, really don't have another Bible, but I am going to challenge you and me and all of us, and I see your faces. You're all looking at me weird. Will you find a Bible that doesn't have commentary, that doesn't have, all it has is Bible, okay? This Bible, it's pink, it's cute, it's cheap at Lifeway. I would challenge you, because here's the thing, if you try to do a Bible study like this with your awesome, super cool, smart girl, you know, apologetics commentary, you're going to read the commentary at the bottom. Commentaries are super cool, but I'm going to ask you to don't read commentaries or opinions before you do your homework, Because you're kind of hijacking the system. You're kind of telling God, hey, I want somebody else to tell me what to think about this. Okay? So I'm going to ask you not to use those commentaries until after you've done your homework, after you've gone to discussion, and after you've heard my nonsense. And then go home and do read every commentary you want. And back up and see what you find. Here's the thing. Um, Jen says this so perfectly. Um, There are going to come times in this Bible study, if you've not been here before, where you're going to have the privilege of dwelling in the, I don't know, you're going to be stuck. I have already been there. I've already started the study, and I've been dwelling in the, I don't know, a lot. But let me just challenge you with something. If you're coming into a Bible study and you know everything, um, there may be a problem You know, God isn't going to teach you things and allow you to stretch and learn new things unless you get there where you sit in the I don't know for a little while. So be okay with that. There's going to come questions that you just, that you really just can't understand. You don't need someone to tell you how to answer that question. Okay? Pray about it. Trust that he's going to show you things. Dwell in the I don't know. 
Okay, so we're going to avoid commentaries. We're going to avoid the study notes at the bottom. We're going to try to get a Bible, if you can do that. Lifeway is going to like have a line out the door in a you know, couple hours um, that doesn't have notes, so it's not tempting. Here's what you can use. You can use cross-referencing. You know, in the back of your Bible, how, like, if you look up the word comfort, it'll say, like, oh, go to Isaiah, go to this. Use those. Use the cross-references um, in the back, in the, in, in the script of your text. Use all those. Use a dictionary, a thesaurus. Those are valuable things. There's oftentimes, guys, and she'll challenge us sometimes to look things up, but there are going to be a lot of times where you'll see a word and you'll be like, huh, I don't really know what that word means. Hey, that's what dictionary is for. Look those up. Um, use other translations. I would recommend, okay, the message and the new living are paraphrases. And you'll hear me in the little kid Bible. What's the name of the little kid Bible? I always use that too. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, children's storybook Bible. That's my favorite translation actually. Um, those are paraphrases. They're valuable and they help you understand, but they shouldn't be your primary word. Okay, try to focus on having a Bible that you you do your primary reading that's like ESV or NIV or HCSB or one of those big boys that's a translation that came directly from Hebrew and Greek directly into our language. Make sense? Like the message and NIV, I mean, excuse me, and um, New Living, those kinds of things, those can just enhance what you read. Those can help you, but use um, that for your for your, main, for your main text. And I think she uses ESV, actually, in this study. So, okay, enough of that. Okay, I think we got through all that. All right, girls, here's what we're going to do now. Let's turn to page three in your workbook. Page three in your workbook. I am so excited about this because here's the thing. A couple, like a year and a half ago, who was in the John study? Who did the John study, right? Okay, so like we all love our John, right? He is just like this, we love him so very much. This is what's so cool about this is our John has now written at the end of his life, looking back, giving advice to the church, and that is us. And so that's what these letters are going to do. They're going to show you, they're going to give you a glimpse into the heart of this beloved disciple. And they're going to show you some things. I think you're going to be pretty surprised at some of the parallels that God has conveniently dropped on us. I was already shocked. Um, But let me start with this. So I said a minute ago, you know, this this word, this is history. This is his story. Um, It's like a once upon a time thing sometimes, right? And so when we enter into the right-hand side of the Bible, that's our New Testament, and we're looking at 1st, 2nd, 3rd John that are way at the back, I want you to understand the story that's happened so far, okay? Just to kind of give you a context. So the story is that we are years past, and I'll give you details in a minute, we're years past Jesus we're years past his time on earth. We're years past Peter and Paul. They've, they've died. They're gone. We're in this place where this new Christian church is just, they're trying to get their feet underneath them and figure everything out. Okay, so Jesus isn't on the earth anymore. And so there was this, this stuff that happened in Acts, and we're not going to go into that, but if you want to go read in Acts 2, um, Acts 1, we hear Jesus appear to the apostles. And you know what he says? You know what he says? This is so cool. He says, we, I want you to go witness to the ends of the earth. 
you know, you could substitute ends of the earth there with Flower Mound, Texas. That's us. We're the ends of the earth. So he tells them, here's what's going to happen. I'm going back up to be with the Father. Your job now is to go to the ends of the earth. And so then what happens, if you want to go back and read in Acts 2, Pentecost happens. And what happens is all of these church people, all of these people that have been witnesses to what Jesus is doing, are like, all right, here we go. We're going to go. We're going to go out and tell. Okay? And so that's the story. That's the once upon a time that we're walking into. That's what's happened. And then we get... To first and second and third John. So starting with that, we're just going to answer these questions, okay? We're going to answer five questions. We're going to start with this one. Who wrote first, second, and third John? It's a hard one, I know. Pray about it. Well, we believe it's John, the Apostle John, but I will tell you technically it's an anonymous um, author. But here's the thing. Um, Here's why we believe it was, was John, our sweet little precious John. The author of these three letters was obviously an eyewitness to Jesus' ministry and life on earth. Okay, And you'll see that when we study. He was an eyewitness. He also speaks with authority. And at this time, John is a well-known authority. He is a well-known minister in the Christian movement. They know who he is. He doesn't have to say who he is. How cool is that? The anonymity affirms, excuse me, the anonymity affirms the early church would know who he is. Okay, so the authority he speaks with is one thing, but then he also doesn't sign his name. And so, again, that makes them, they all know, okay, this is John. We don't even have to see his name signed on there. Similarities. There are many similarities in theology, vocabulary, and, and, and syntax to the Gospel of John and Revelation, which is the other one he wrote at the end. Okay, And just so that you know, because I get so confused. So like if you hear somebody say the Gospel of John, they're talking about the book of John. It's one of the four Gospels in the front of the New Testament. If you hear somebody say the Epistles of John, that's a fancy word for letters. Okay, We're studying the letters of John. All right, Who was John? John was an apostle called by Jesus. He was a fisherman, if you remember that. He and his bro we're fishing, and Jesus said, hey, guys, come on, we're going to go do this. We're going to be fishers of men, and that's who our John was. You know what I love? I love about John, that he was one of Jesus' main three BFFs. I think that's in the message, says that, BFF. You know, Jesus had this inner circle, and John was one of them, and so he had insight to John, I mean, to Jesus, that others did not, and so it's a special relationship that he's looking back on. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved in the book of John. We had a lot of fun with that. We're like, I'm going to start calling myself that. I am Chris, the one who Jesus loves. But that's who he was. He was the son of Zebedee. That's the name of his daddy. And he was the brother of James. Um, This is kind of funny. Jesus um, gave them a nickname, actually, James and John, which I think is so cool. So, like, you think back to this wild and crazy fisherman, right, that... um, that gets called to be, this, to, to be an apostle to this, this man claiming to be the son of God. And so Jesus is like, you guys are freaks. I don't think that he actually said that. But he called them the sons of thunder. You know why he did that? Because they were wild. They were crazy in the beginning. In fact, if you look at um, in Luke 9, 54, this was hilarious. There was this one time where the people like weren't accepting Jesus and they weren't being very cool to Jesus. And so James and John go, hey, Jesus, do you want us to like tell fire to come down and rain down on them? 
And Jesus is probably looking at him like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) I'm about love. So I love that he nicknamed them the sons of thunder. Okay, so that's our John. But you know what struck me and overwhelmed me? And maybe part of it is because I studied John, but I want you to hear this as we walk into these letters. I want you to hear this. Jesus named them. He called them first. Then he named them. And then he transformed them. He called them, he named them, and then he transformed them. Do you know James ended up being the very first of the apostles to die as a martyr? He died for this cause, this little, you know, uprising. People don't die for a lie. He was the first one. And the other thing about John, he becomes known as the apostle of love. He's the longest living apostle. At this point when he's writing, he's the only one left that had um, walked with Jesus and done ministry with Jesus. Is that crazy? So sons of thunder get renamed to the apostle of love, to the martyr who died for this great, great Jesus. So keep that in mind. That's who we're talking about here. He was, I mentioned before, he was the last remaining apostle who had an intimate eyewitness association with Jesus. He was in a living, abiding voice. And so these people in this early church who were so lost and confused, they listened when John spoke. That is who wrote this. So when were these letters written? When were the letters written? Um, it's always a guess, and I always find it so, I get so nerdy because it's so exciting to find out, like, how the heck did they figure out, like, when he wrote it? It's really, really cool, actually. They determined that it was written probably between 80 and 95 AD, between 80 and 95 AD, and here's how they come to that conclusion. Um, They look at a lot of things, but one thing we know for sure is in 70 AD, the Romans had destroyed Jerusalem, okay? So that's gone. So now we know that John and the other church leaders at the time, they spread out, okay? So Jerusalem is, is, is gone, and so they spread out. At the time, John was actually in Ephesus, Okay? So these church leaders were all over the place, these leaders in the church, and all these little churches are cropping up in all these weird places. Remember the whole ends of the earth thing before? This is how that happened. It starts spreading. We also know this, that um, John, he dies in 100 A.D. 100 A.D. So at the time when he's writing this, he's looking back. He's an elderly man with a lot of wisdom, lived a lot of life. Current events, content that's included in here are also ways that these scholars would tell us when it was written. For example, we're going to hear a lot about this great um, epidemic of heresy that's happening. And, and, and we can look back at historical documents that happened at that same time and we can trace it and go, oh, so that was the thing that was happening and that's what he's talking about. So it's probably about this time. There's also no mention of this persecution, this big, huge Christian persecution that starts in 95 AD. And so he, if he was writing to encourage believers, he would have probably mentioned it. And so if that wasn't mentioned, then that means it probably hadn't happened yet. You see how that works? So they really do just kind of piece parts of the puzzle together to figure it out. Um, there is a pretty good estimation that these letters might have been the last thing that John ever wrote, might have been the last God-ordained books of the Bible written. How about that? Um, We don't know exactly what the order was, but there's a guess that maybe that was the case. So between 80 and 95 AD. So to whom were they written? 
To whom are they written? Well, they're three separate letters, okay? So the first letter is written to the churches in Asia Minor. The churches in Asia Minor. And what you can know about that is that's actually modern Turkey, okay? A lot of stuff going on in Turkey right now. Um, that's near Ephesus. So what we'll find in a minute, we'll talk about it in a minute, where John was. John was actually writing from Ephesus. And so it's, it's estimated to believe that there were maybe church leaders that might have had designated areas or churches that they were responsible for loving on and shepherding. And so that's why we believe that he was writing specifically to those churches. These churches were in crisis, okay? They were in crisis, and um, lots of members of these churches were adopting um, heresy. They were adopting this doctrine that was not biblical. And so John was jumping in and saying, we're going to stop this right now. We're going to cover it up with truth. And we'll talk about that more later. The other two letters were personal letters, personal letters written to specific people. Um, and we'll, we'll, when we get into 2 John and 3 John, I'll kind of go into that with a little more depth. Um, the 2 John was written to the elect lady and her children. And there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not that was a, um, a specific person, probably more referring to a church that was unifying in their body, um, in their church body. And so the third letter, however, was written to a personal friend of his. It was written to a friend who he considered, it was written to Gaius, G-A-I-U-S. And he was a dear friend whom John considered a son. I can't wait to read that. So he's writing from that place of, of love to his his friend. And what style were they written? Hey, anybody want to guess? They were letters. They were letters. Uh, yeah, when we did Psalms, right, we were like, oh, it's poetry and all this stuff. Well, these were letters. So this will be kind of fun to just go through and see exactly what he says. Know this, when we talk about these letters, the first John letter was considered a circular letter. And what that means is it was probably sent to like a church and then passed around to a whole bunch of other churches, okay? So it was intended to be the audience of not just maybe one church, but maybe like a whole bunch of them. So it's passed around a lot. Um, Second John and Third John were personal letters written specifically to people. And so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But an interesting fact about those is both of those, they call those the postcard epistles. And that's because they're so short, they're tiny little pieces of the New Testament that carry a lot of weight and have a lot of power. Um, know this, that all this New Testament stuff originated in the Greek, okay? When we were back in Psalms, it originated in Hebrew. So this originated in Greek. So these two, John, 2 John and 3 John, are the shortest books of the entire Bible in the Greek text, okay? Kind of interesting. And 2 John is actually the shortest book of the Bible in English. So you're all welcome. You're very welcome for that. After we did Psalms, right? Some of us were like, okay, gosh, enough. All right, what are the central themes of these letters? Well, it's three different books, three different letters. And so it was kind of hard at first to sit there and say, okay, what's, let me just have one big theme. So I backed up a little bit and thought, let's first figure out what the purpose of, of these letters. What's the purpose? Why is he writing these letters? And so what I did is I looked at all of the texts that John wrote, okay? So he wrote five books. He wrote the Gospel of John, which we talked about before. He wrote the three letters, and then he wrote Revelation, okay? So each of those writings has a very specific purpose. It doesn't mean that 
um, I'm already a converted Christian, and so I don't need to read the book of John. It just means understand, like we talked about before, understand what it says and, and, and exactly what it means. So if you know this walking in, it helps to kind of understand some of his language. Okay, So the book of John was to convert sinners. He wanted to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what he was trying to do by telling that entire narrative of Jesus' ministry. Okay, And in First and Second and 3 John, which is where we're going to be, he is attempting to confirm the saints. Confirm the saints. Now, don't get wigged out by that saints word, okay? A lot of us that have different backgrounds may have different, different connotations to what that means. What that means right here is the believers. He wants to confirm these people that are in the church that are believers or think they're believers or say they're believers. He wants to give them exactly what they need to go. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is the truth. Okay, so that's us. We want to understand exactly what the Lord has intended for us as believers of Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's what confirm the saints mean. In Revelation, there's a whole different thing going on there. And the idea there is to coronate the Savior. And that involves um, writing about what he's seen and what's to come and what will take place and what is. And that's just a whole different thing. So when you read that, um, understand that. That that was the purpose of those books. Okay? So... We understand the purpose. Now, why is he trying to accomplish this purpose with these letters? How come? What's, what's the deal? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to just touch on this just enough to get us all just with big question marks over our heads. But I'm going to throw this word out at you. Um, what I learned in my research is this, that in these early Christian churches, in the first three centuries of, of this Christian church where Jesus is gone, right, and they're just kind of left to figure it out with their Bible and, okay, there were people, leaders, rising up that were mishandling Scripture. Anybody seen that happening anytime recently? It happens. There were leaders rising up in the church. They were probably charismatic leaders. Anyone? There were probably people that people liked a lot and had a lot of followers, and they were starting sects of church. That sounded really wrong. I didn't mean that. Um, they started different churches. Uh, that had these different belief systems that were just just enough to get people to come to make them think that it was still Christianity, but just enough to really mess with the inerrancy of the Bible. And we're going to go into that. But this word is Gnosticism, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M, Gnosticism. It's the Greek word for knowledge. And this was a huge uprising at the time that John wrote this. So in these churches... Just like Rock Point Church, there were people in these churches that were rising up to raise up different leaders in different churches that were um, telling untruths about God's word and about Jesus Christ. Gnosticism is this. It was based in philosophical trends. At the time, philosophy was like this big, huge, like cool thing to do. And so people were kind of taking um, what they knew about Jesus and what Jesus taught, and then they were sprinkling in some philosophy stuff, and then they were kind of reworking it and creating a new truth. And they were really into this thing called dualism, D-U-A-L-I-S-M, dualism. The basis of what that is is that spirit is good and matter is evil. Spirit is good and matter is evil, okay? What's the problem with that? We believe in Jesus Christ. He was fully man 
and fully God. Fully man and fully God. Let me just give you a little limitation to this thinking. If you believe that Jesus was only God and was not fully man, then you can't understand how he could be on a cross and suffer and die for our sins. Right? Because when he was on that cross, he was fully man taking on the sins of everybody in this room and everybody in this world. And so that dualism was in direct conflict with who Jesus Christ is. And John was, was in people's faces about it. You're going to see very black and white, very black and white truth. It was important. And so we need it, right? We need it. So that word Gnosticism, so just dig around and look it up and see what you can find. But that's what was happening when this was written. There was this great uprising. And ultimately, um, the definition that I came up with Gnosticism was this. It was man elevating his ideas above God's ideas. Man elevating his ideas above God's ideas. We do that all the time in the church, do we not? So that's what John's dealing with. John is going to combat the threat, reassure believers, and he's going to do it all with what he knows to be true, okay? What he knows firsthand to be true. So with that being said, the answer to that question is, is pretty simple. The central theme of First and Second, Third John is this. John is going to tell his readers how to know Jesus. He's going to tell his readers how to live in truth And he's going to tell his leaders how to reflect love. Know Jesus, live in truth, and reflect love. Seems pretty simple, right? I heard this quote by John MacArthur, and I'm going to close with this thought. Love and truth are inseparable in Christianity. Love and truth are inseparable in Christianity. Let me just tell you this right now. If you're believing in a Christianity that doesn't have love and truth at the foundation of what you believe, you may be following some false doctrine. And I'm glad you're here. Because here's the thing. The first part of this three-part central theme is that we need to know Jesus. And I'll tell you this, and I say this. Um, with, with, I just, I beg for you to understand before you walk out of here that you have to understand the person of Jesus Christ. It has to be the foundation. That's the first thing. You know, it's real easy for us to say, oh, I know Jesus. I know who he is. Hey guys, I got news. Satan knows who he is. The, the people that don't believe, they know who he is. The difference is, do you know Jesus? It says in John 14, 6, Jesus says it himself. He is the way, the truth, the life. No other person can get to God except through Jesus. Zero, none. And so we start with that. And so I ask you to walk out of here with your cute little notebook and your awesome little name tags and you're just all so cute today. And I want you to ask yourself this question, who is Jesus to me? Who is he? Because that's where it all starts. Okay? Jesus came to this earth, and John's going to tell us, and he's going to get right in our face in his precious, cool, awesome John way. And he's going to say, Jesus came to this earth to live and then die for your sins and to be buried and to be resurrected and then to start our story, right? Know Jesus, live in truth, reflect love. Let me pray, and then um, 
we have a couple of announcements. I'll pray. Father God, we, um, I ask you right now, for those who are here and maybe don't have any clue why they are here, will you just, will you draw them to you? Uh, will you bring them back? Will you help us all understand that every single one of us, no matter how many times we've read through this thing, um, no matter how many years we've believed, uh, we all have great things to learn from you through your apostle, through your precious John. We thank you that he got to live and love with Jesus. And we thank you that we get to understand that through his words. Will you just show us amazing things about who you are? Will you just show us about who Jesus is? And um, we ask all these things in your name. Amen.